your brow today takes everything you got Taking a break from brown girl worries Let's all drink up a shot Wouldn't you like to get away? Grab your phone and download the Budge Up Podcast right away So they keep us entertained You wanna be where you can see Problemas are all the same Assimilation where butchers put all the blame You wanna be where you can see Problemas are all the same Assimilation where porches put all the blame. Hey, and welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of Brown Pride and Assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And Charlene, it's October. It's Rocktober. I love October. It's your birthday month. It is. So this month is extremely special for that reason and others, but... October is your birthday month. We will be celebrating all month long, all things Charlene. And all things Paul. And this is episodio 31. In my head, I went down this like thread of like, it's 31 and it's October. And of course, October 31st. And of course, Halloween. It made disjointed sense to me. Mm -hmm. But there we were. I like it. October is also Bantober. So while you are... (laughs) celebrating one more year around the sun i'm <laughs> i'm pulling instruments onto a football field for halftime shows for marching band and the entire month every week there's a show so my month gets swallowed by band dadness one of my most favorite things to watch on tiktok is the white bands versus black bands Ooh. Oh my, have you seen this? No. Oh my, it's hysterical. Why aren't you sending me these things? I know I should cuz it's usually at inappropriate hours. And okay. Okay. Yeah, like it it's super funny. I go down TikTok rabbit holes or rather TikTok figures out an algorithm that sends me down rabbit holes. Oh, there's they know what the fuck they're doing. Mhm. Yeah. I yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to get into TikTok and then someone got me into TikTok and then I hooked you into it and there we are. Stupid. I'm like, I have so much shit. No, I don't. I'll just watch TikTok for seven hours. Right? Just just five more minutes. Just five more minutes. And then it turns into like, oh shit, I'm late for work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we are. So we are in October with the Bocha podcast. And this uh, for this month's episode, we have a couple crazy ass things going on Mm -hmm. Uh, so first um, we're talking statues and then we're going to shift gears a little bit because we have said before in our podcast that we uh, come from this yes we're at that intersection of brown pride and and assimilation but we're there at that intersection with the 90s hangover Mm -hmm. so we've never actually quite talked about the 90s hangover so this is the month we'll do that that's right and then we'll wrap it up with story time. It is story time. Uh, and it's a special story time because it's written by someone we know and love. And then we'll both be reading pieces of it. Um, it's a scary story, but mm, it's a scary story with a twist. We'll just leave it there. And then you'll hear that piece. And that piece, since it's new to us and definitely new to you, that's going to be our guy, the nuevo. 
I love it, Kat. All right, so let's kick it off with a statue. Yeah, tell me about the statue. You sent the article, so describe. Okay, so in 2020, around October 2020. When the world was going to end. Right, there Mm -hmm. was upheavals left, right, and center for good, a lot of them for good reason. Sure. So the city, uh, Mexico City, the Efe, they have, used to have, I should say, a statue of Cristobal Columbus, mm-hmm. Chris, Christopher Columbus, mm-hmm. in one of the larger um, city areas, like it's a, a main thoroughfare, and it's a roundabout at Paseo de la Reforma. In that little roundabout, like, well, it's a big roundabout, they had that statue of Christopher Columbus, and at the time, they removed the statue. And interestingly, in one place I read, it, they were removing the statue for renovations. And in another place I read, they were removing the statue. And this ties back to some of the upheaval that the world over was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was going to be some protests for Dia de la Raza. And so they removed, in one article, they removed the statue because of that. So okay. Chris is gone. Chris bye. Columbus is bye, like, Chris. he's out. He, he done. Go discover syphilis again. Exactly. But the mayor of the Efe, and the mayor is female, hmm. she, uh, Claudia Scheinbaum, she said this past September, um, so we're, yeah, we went from one year to another. We went from 2020 to 2021. She said this past September that that statue was then going to be replaced by a statue that honors indigenous women. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, there was a lot of um, positive reflection on this, right? There was a lot of people who were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then there were a couple people, and the reason that I found out about it was on TikTok. <laughs> so there Your was a new news source. <laughs> I know, right? So there was this one guy who was mad about it. Okay. And I really even can't remember what the hell he was mad at, like, but we have to honor Christopher Columbus for fine. <laughs> mm. He he was mad about it. So there was some TikTok users who were duetting his post and, you know, sh- shooting him down, essentially saying like, oh, no, this is why you're wrong here. Let me write my whole master's thesis mm-hmm. on your stupidity. Mm-hmm. Fine. Great. Fair. So here we are with the possibility of having a new statue that's going to take the place. It honors indigenous women. There is a twist to the story in that currently the artist that is going to create or was tapped to create this new piece and the artist is Pedro Reyes. He doesn't identify as indigenous. And so there are a lot of artists in Mexico or across Mexico who are upset at this decision. So I'm not clear who makes the decision. I don't know if it's like the uh, the equivalent of like a city council or if it's the mayor or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it was decided that this was going to be the artist who was going to create it. They had an artist rendering that I saw online, which it looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It matters who the artist is who's doing it because if you have someone who isn't indigenous creating an indigenous piece of art, what does that say? What is that? It's a reflection of someone who is not of that community creating it. But so there's different parts to this piece, right? The biggest part though is that Christopher Columbus is gone. Mm -hmm. He has been moved to another neighborhood. So he's not gone (laughs) completely. They put him in another park. Okay. 
So he's just like, oh, he's... So it wasn't like, we're taking down this statue because it's historically inaccurate. No. Right. No. I mean, it is historically inaccurate. But that's not why. That's not why they took it down. Mm -hmm. And they put it up somewhere else. Interesting. And then, so now we're going to have another piece in there. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same artist that they originally tapped or not. But, okay, so initial thoughts. It's it's interesting to me because it gets at some of the layers that we talk about. Um, Obviously, they're trying to do something right. They're trying to introduce some representation that has not been there by having this recognition of indigenous women who have obviously played a critical role in the history of the Efe. Great. High five. Give them a cookie. And people are now standing up to say, that's great. And you need to go the step farther Mm -hmm. to make sure that the person creating that is also indigenous. Um, If they were an indigenous woman with a history that could also tie into the piece, even better let's make this authentic and not just for show so there's there's i think to me that's a great example of you can go deeper you can make this even more authentic and get to the point that you say you're trying to get at by having this other artist do it or another artist do it um i think that comes up a lot right where we see people like when we talked about colorism and in the heights Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm yes good job high five cookie and here are all the parts that you could have done a little better to make sure that it was authentic to make sure that it was actually doing what you said you were doing in the first place so i love that part i definitely love that there's going to be some representation i i mean i think though it does kind of feel like the christopher columbus piece is just uh like why did they wherever they moved christopher why didn't they put this piece there is there is like this spot more prominent? Like, so why the, the spot show? that the spot that uh, that Christopher the Christopher Columbus statue was at was a very prominent gotcha. spot. Okay, where they're moving him is not a very. Pro- <laughs> it's like, it's like it's as if you took a, it's as if you took a statue down from Central Park and then you put it at like Chato's backyard. Right. And is that like just being Mexican? Like, we don't want to waste it. Ya está hecho. Like, we don't. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do? We can't recycle it. Yeah. So, two things. One is they should just get rid of that fucking statue. Repurpose. Right. Just repurpose. If you if this means that you have to melt it down and create something else, great. Because really, the overall impact that Christopher Columbus had wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. Was not positive Mm -hmm. he didn't even discover anything it had already been discovered (laughs) so that's one part and then the second mansplained yeah exactly (laughs) here we have a new place Mm -hmm. look what i found yeah the second part is as you had mentioned cookie high five and in thinking about who the artist is one if we're honoring women Mm -hmm. and we'll be clear like cisgendered Yes, that's the mm-hmm. thought process. It's not like we're honoring the femme, the femininity. Why are they getting a male artist to do this? Right. And I say that because there is a spirit and a yo no sé qué that an artist would add to it. Even if that means the detail of the eyes or the detail of a toenail that's going to be captured by someone who lives it and breathes it 
-hmm. that is completely different. And then the second part is indigenous identifying. Mm -hmm. So, and, and on that breakdown, and I have seen quite a few, well, I, you know, I've just been in it for a while now thinking about what a mestizo is and what part within that mestizo is indígena. Mm-hmm. So yes, at its base and in general, a Mexican is, and this is specific to Mexico, I'm not speaking about any other countries, they are in part European and in part indigenous, right? But not everybody who has parts of those identifies strongly with the indigenous part. There are some who do identify stronger Mm -hmm. than, and then there are some who are clearly like myself, do not, cannot identify with that indigeneity because there are no, nothing was passed down for Mm -hmm. that through Mm -hmm. any of my lineage, right? At least at this point. It may have been somewhere back there, but not at this point. So when you're looking at someone who is going to convey indigeneity, while yes, Pedro might be Mexicano, he might have some parts of him that are indígena. If you don't identify, if you were not raised, if you did Mm -hmm. not have the cultura to go with it, what are you missing? You are then getting a textbook version, someone else's version of what indigeneity is to you and then transferring that into a piece of art. And he may be an impeccable sculptor, but that doesn't mean that that, that, that piece that he creates would have the breath, would have the, the spirit, would have the oomph that is indigenous. It, it just feels like an opportunity to make it right. Do it right. If you're going to do it, if you're going to say, this is so important that we are going to cart Cristobal right out of here, mm-hmm. then let's do it right. Let's do it all the way. And you're right. I think there are some pieces that might be missed when you hear the story told from the different perspective. I mean, the person who was right there living it is going to be richer, fuller, just a different story. So I think if the intention is to center and represent indigenous women, then the indigenous woman who is also an artist who probably doesn't get the opportunities Mm -hmm. that said pedro might have because he's male is the right way to go so hopefully they you know they do it right they uh find somebody i'm i'm sure she's out there and absolutely there's there's an entire country full of Mm -hmm. artists that need to be discovered exactly that's it right there just given the opportunity yeah for sure and the last thing i think i'll say on this is that like Yes, cookie and high fives, but, you know, I don't want to overlook what Mexico and Mexico City is doing. They, it may have been, whether it was for taking the statue down to re-shine his shoes or if it was just in advance of um, protests that were going to happen, they heard a message loud and clear Absolutely. that... We that, need to change. Yeah, we need change and that history isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. And shining a light on one individual or another, in particular European history, doesn't resonate with everyone across the board in, a, in, in that country specifically, but, you know, also around the world. So when I first read this and when I first saw it, like, yes, there are pieces and parts to this entire puzzle that are not you know, not as palatable or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, I'm also like, damn, they're growing. 
they're growing just like we right. are growing. And I say that because here in New Mexico, mm-hmm. um, we have had several of our statues that were taken down that really were shining the light more on Don Juan de Oñate, who mm-hmm. I don't want to say discovered New Mexico because damn, people were already living here. <laughs> but like that's that's they shine the light on that part of history as opposed to the part of history of our indigeneity in this state just for a just public service announcement maybe if you roll up on a place and you're greeted by people you didn't discover it <laughs> like i don't know if that was maybe not taught then or something but just as a public service announcement for everyone else the more you know brought to you in part by charlene bum, bum, bum. yeah it's true though like damn we we just laud this person who came over and was like, and now I'm going to blaze a trail for my people in Europe. But there were already some humans <laughs> living here, bro. They mm. were just fine without you. And it's it's not like it's a sweet and kind, like, let me move right in next to you. No, it was like an incredibly bloody history that, yeah. that Onyate had here. So yeah. in New Mexico, during that same time frame in 2020, there were statues that were taken down. There were um, people taking to the streets, expressing why there's a need for it. Some, you know, I'm, I'm not going to poo-poo on how these were done because some were more vocal or they took down the, mm-hmm. the, the statues themselves and some were just right. um, a little less. For instance, there's a high school in Las Cruces whose name was also changed. It was changed at the school board level. So there wasn't like someone ripping down the name off of the school itself, but it was, you know, it was still done in a way that was smart and considerate, uh, or at least I think they tried to be as smart and considerate as possible Mm -hmm. with regards to changing the name. But yes, it did happen. And there was a lot of, and and mad props to other uh, movements that were happening at the same time that maybe even paved the way. Sure. Um, I think that's fair to say the Black Lives Matter movement that was uh, happening where they were also taking down statues of Confederate military leaders, um, because I don't want to give them any heroism that they don't deserve, but they took down some Confederate Mm -hmm. military leaders in the South. And that continues to happen. Like we're continuing to see that movement. It's interesting. And there were people really upset about the name change of the high school, which on some level I understand if there are some people who are very stuck to their high school mascot and their high school experience. I am not one of those people. I didn't love high school. So none of that resonates with me. I don't still go to the rivalry game and do all the things, whatever, don't care. But for some people, that's very much a part of who they are. So people were upset. And then there were other people who were like, who cares? Why would you even go through the trouble and the money of changing the whole name? And I'm like, if you don't care, and there's someone who cares and deeply feels that this needs to be changed for a reason, why wouldn't you just let that go? Like, doesn't matter to me. So you do you, whatever feels important. I don't know. It's uh, we're in an interesting time, cat. I was talking to my mom yesterday um, when I went to go visit her and do some household chores, and we were talking about what it would take to make real change. Mm-hmm. And yes, I, I brought Jesus into this. I also love that you still do chores and your mom's. <laughs> <laughs> I tell her like, write down what you need me to do so that I you don't it. forget. So she was. We were just having this conversation about what would make real change, and I was like, man, it's going to have to take something like Jesus, who overturned the tables in front of the synagogue. And, and we went down a little rabbit hole of our own of like, see mom, this is why 
when riots happen during Black Lives Movement, it is overturning the tables because sometimes that's necessary. Damn, you took it to Jesus. I did. You know what? He laid the foundation. Well, he didn't, but he was he's one of the biggest ones in history that laid down a foundation that people understand and that people overlook because they don't he was doing it over greed and we still live in capitalism, so it's like pool of Jesus, turn over the tables. Another one of my favorite TikToks. Name one thing that wasn't in the Bible. White people. Oh my God, that shit's funny. And the reactions to that are hilarious. One of my favorites. Okay, so don't leave us for TikTok, but... No, this is a supplement. Yes. Yes. And you are listening to that supplement called the Pocha Podcast at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation. That's us. I'm Kat. I'm still Charlene. Still? Still. Uh, Okay. I was hoping by now that maybe it would be like Shar the Great and you had taken over the world. I barely grew into my name. That's a whole other story for a different day. Same. Can we talk names <gasps> one day? Oh, because that's, yeah. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Okay. One day. Growing into it. <sighs> other things that we can grow into as we go into fall season, aside from pumpkin spice, is our 90s hangover. Yeah, the 90s hangover. So we've talked about, well, I mean, we haven't talked about it and that's the point, but when we were, when we were first starting the, the, the idea of the show, mm-hmm. many moons ago, we were looking at, okay, so what is the show going to be about? Really? Mm-hmm. Who are we? And mm-hmm. really, I, I did have to take a look at like, well, what value do I bring into talking into a microphone? And I was like, I bring wine. <laughs> Cat, tell me what to do. <laughs> And so when we were going down that pathway of like, what are we going to talk about? What is, what is the ongoing theme or the underlying theme every, every, every time we get on every episode, every weedy weedy. And it was that intersection, right? That we always talk about. And it was at, at that place in time where we had a nineties hangover, but we've never really, like we've said it, but we haven't talked about it. So here's our chance. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Okay, so first my thoughts were, okay, so then what is a hangover? Because you came up with this. Kind of. In fairness. Yes. Okay. So my my first thought process was, like, if we call it a 90s hangover, what does a hangover mean? Mm-hmm. So a hangover is physiological or psychological after effects of an event. Wow. Usually the event is alcohol. And usually, the, event, the event is a Cabernet Sauvignon <laughs> 2017. Yeah. And usually the hangover of said alcoholic event is typically unpleasant. Like when you mm. think of like, oh, oh yeah. my God, had one too many kegs mm. last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. However, in this case, when I think of a 90s hangover, I'm thinking, okay, so what psychological after effects do we have of the 90s? And it's not unpleasant for me in my brain. Okay. And the reason for that, a lot of it is, yes, hip hop, the rise of hip hop, like that for me and for a lot of musical individuals, the 90s is the golden era of hip hop. There was a lot of, you know, great uh, hip hop and and rap artists who were coming into their own, the Fugees, Lauryn Hill. (gasps) Um, Biggie, mm. uh, Tupac. Mm. Um, but there's also a lot of things about the nineties that were, and we have talked about, yes, Gen X, 
But the 90s specifically impacted not just Gen X, because we were growing up in that time frame, but, you know, it had a longer lasting impact across the board and looking specifically like at the U.S., like the economy changed, mm-hmm. peace around the world had, it, it, it differed. It wasn't like there, we were now peaceful. It just, it shifted. There was a definite shift. So there was a lot of long lasting of effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that created a nineties hangover or a hangover of which we are still, going through having that have impacted us long-term for sure. Yeah. So we weren't born in the nineties, but certainly were adolescents during the nineties at some point. Um, and for me, when you brought that up, I, I love that you said it's this sort of residual psychological effect Mm -hmm. because so many of the things that happened during the nineties still affect who I am, Mm -hmm. um, what I want to wear, how I want to be in this world. Uh, cause those are, you know, they, and they'll tell you like, these are the, you're developing times. Like this is when you're maturing. This is when you're becoming the person you're going to be all of that cliche and true, which sadly, but, um, yes, I love when you start talking about the music of the nineties and part one of, you know, in the nineties, I was doing all the things I was listening to, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Cypress mm-hmm, Hill, mm-hmm. LL Cool J. And you, there was also this influence of 90s grunge mm-hmm. that I totally was into because you could go from like Chola, unbutton a few buttons and be Nirvana, like just out the door. It was the go-to uniform of the 90s. You yes. could just wear your flannel. Your flannel meant a couple different things depending yes. on how you wore it mm-hmm. and when you wore it. Around the waist with mm-hmm. cut-off jeans or je- just jeans, grunge. Uh, put it on as a t-shirt, but you mm-hmm. only had one button buttoned at the very top, chola. Yeah. Uh, uh, oversized and a couple buttons buttoned, West Coast hip-hop. Exactly. Like, the 90s was essentially the decade of the flannel. It was flannel season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's coming back, just FYI. It, I don't, I, it didn't leave for me. Well, I mean, same. I'm a <laughs> lesbian, so <laughs> it has never left my wardrobe. See, that's the hangover, though. Uh-huh. It just didn't go away. It didn't. Like, I feel better and I can keep food down now, but <laughs> it's still there. The dull headache. <laughs> still feeling it. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned grunge, and that was a big influence oh, yeah. on me as well. Um, the lyrics of Nirvana and mm. this expression of you don't have to fucking fit in and be popular, which mm-hmm. I know that is an expression that, that happened in a variety of different ways with a variety of different genres during that time frame anyway. But that one really did like stick in me. That was my, my real favorite. Fool coming into being a Metallica fan. Oh boy! Um, yeah, that was my my fool blossoming into like really listening to rap and hip hop and being like, oh mm-hmm. shit, okay, I'm I'm understanding a little bit better. I'm getting it. Yeah, there was a lot of influences that happened during that time frame that have impacted me so much they just have never left. It's like part of my marrow now. I too much of my brain space is taken up by (laughs) song lyrics from the 90s um i cannot learn new things because of it Mm -hmm. uh sublime yes i loved sublime and then you think i mean even just talking about i i would again i was a 
just remix of all the genres at that point. I still listened to Spanish music. There was Selena. There mm-hmm. was so the hip hop. There was, I was obsessed with Aaliyah, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre. And then there was Nirvana, Sublime. Like it was just a mesh of who am I? That all that angst was in the music all the time. And then you think about the tragedies that, Again, this is why we're detached, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Aaliyah, Kurt Cobain. Like, you just talk about all of, you know, it, yeah. It, Alice it's in too Chains, much. yeah. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Hello, Soundgarden. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was my grunge husband back in the day. Step in line, whatever. Um, okay, so the other, the, the actual intersection of actual hangover and alcohol, Zima. Oh, dude. That is a taste that I have never gotten over, and I still look for that citrusy happiness. With grenadine. With grenadine. Oh, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, bring back the Zima. Can we please? Whoever th- you are, wherever somewhere you are. Somewhere someone's holding like a f- fridge full, and they pull out one Zima a month, and they savor it. Whoever you are, can you please visit? Because let me tell you, the people with the 90s hangovers now have extra income. We will buy that shit and take our money. And extra liver space. Like I've been preparing for this. Extra liver space. I'm just saying. We have conditioned ourselves at this point. Bring it on. Bring the Zima back. We also made a shift to digital music, which definitely has changed the course of how mm-hmm. we are listening and now downloading. Instead of pressing record in between the commercials on the radio station so you could make your own mixtape. And also putting tape over, like if you accidentally crack the the plastic on the do not record over this tape and you put tape over that little spot so that you could still record over that tape. Yes. And then you got the pencil and you like rewound by yourself. Yes. Can I tell you that this, uh, so sort of a transition, but not really, um, I love a state fair because it's all things fall and Mm -hmm, it just makes mm -hmm. my life happy. We went to the Southern New Mexico state fair a couple of weekends ago and um the theme for the art like the schools do their little art project right and they set mm-hmm. them up was the 80s and it was hilarious they had like rubik's cubes everywhere <laughs> and like tapes like cassette tapes which i'm sure and it's hilarious because it's like betty no elementary and you're like these kids don't they probably had to show them a damn documentary about what the hell a tape was so that they could create one out of trash recycled goods or whatever because they're probably I, what the, I don't even know what you're talking about but there was like hulk hogan it was hysterical the best so two things about um about that that bring to mind one is that when we went to a wedding and they had those instant cameras at the oh, yeah. at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this was at a wedding less than four years ago. We had to teach our girls how to <laughs> use them because they had no fucking idea oh, what yeah. the hell. And then you do what? Well, how do you see the picture? Uh-huh. You, don't. you don't. It's a surprise. You what? have to wait until it gets. <laughs> yeah, they had no idea. And then yeah. the second thing is that, again, TikTok is, you know, a, an informer for me now. Um, it is now referenced as the late 1900s. Son of a bitch. <laughs> what am I, and fucking I Shakespeare? Not- <laughs> that makes me feel like, fuck it, I need a white powdered wig. And I have not happening? been able to get over that ever since. The late yeah. 1900s. What were your formidable years? The late 1900s. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm- I was also born in the late 1900s. Was there color TV? Mm. Mm. Yes, but no remotes. <gasps> and you could watch 1900s. Saved by the Bell. 
Mm. Oh, that's now. See, see. Okay, so here's another part of the hangover, though. Yes. Thanks to thanks to you saying that yes. is, we are now seeing refurbed shows like mm-hmm. Saved by the Bell to One oh, Wonder uh, Years, Wonder Years with is Don getting, Cheadle, Doogie Howser's getting <gasps> new life with a female. So Love Doogie Howser. All of these things that were in our world in our spectrum. Although I think maybe Doogie Howser might have been late eighties, but either way. Yeah, they're definitely like definitely part of our formidable years, mm-hmm. and now getting new life breathed into them. Did you used to watch a different world? Yes, a oh. different world mm-hmm. spinoff of the Cosby Show. Yes, mm-hmm. we don't say those words anymore. Okay, sorry, my bad. <laughs> there were some good shows, and and there was like there was a sacredness about it because you couldn't just record that shit unless you knew how to use the VCR, which no one fucking did. Right, which no, is why they don't just exist the kids, anymore. Just the Gen Xers were like, "Mija, can you record a show on Friday?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now you now can just watch demand. it all the time. You can binge it. You can pause it. You can binge it. Mm-hmm. You can do all the, things. all of the things. Back then, no. If you didn't catch it at the time, and you didn't know how to work the VCR, you were fucked. You were done. And then you'd have to get the lowdown from your friends. Yeah, you missed it. Yeah, because you weren't going to, like, and don't tell me. Don't spo- There's not a spoiler alert. Bitch, you missed it. I have to tell you because you're never going to fucking know. And then right? when you watch the next episode, it's not going to make sense. Or you'd have to read the Reader's Digest. Oh, girl. Ooh, yes. I just aged myself. The Reader's mm-hmm. Digest. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Just saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, that, do they still make that? I don't know. Huh. Who knows? Well, Someone somewhere out there who was born in the mid-1900s still reads it. <laughs> <laughs> In the mid-1900s. Wow. Uh, and that's why we have a hangover. <laughs> what about 90s fashion? Tell me what was the night. Besides flannels, I was definitely... Uh, people had their Timberland boots. Yes. Kangol hats. Mm-hmm. I had this fuzzy Kangol hat that I wore to... Oh, God. It must have been a homecoming or something. And we had a soccer game right before. So we were like... We're going to be all sweaty and gross. We're not going to have time to get ready because, you know, you have perfect skin and a perfect body at that age. So you need like seven hours to fucking get ready for a dance. Right. Stupidity. Mm-hmm. I ended up wearing like overalls with my Kangol hat and I thought I was the shit. I was like, no one is fucking cooler than me ever in this whole world. Okay. So the the hangover for me is I don't have a Kangol, but I do have like what my partner and executive producer calls my faux oh what's that actor's name snakes on a plane samuel l jackson samuel l she so what she calls my faux samuel l jackson look where i have like the newspaper boy hat and i put it on backwards mm-hmm. so it's not the, oh it's no, not that's branded the but that's the style right yeah and i have timberlands because things because you because, have a 90s hangover and 90s. you can't let it go you know who else has a fashion 90s hangover who Balenciaga because mm. they are now creating this mm-hmm. look where it's the sag and yeah. and the like boxer shorts are kind of sewn into it's I want one to say piece. sweats yeah so it's one piece it's like sweats with boxers sewn in that look like you're sagging for thousands of dollars it's crazy stupid mm-hmm. so I mean a it is it is a 90s hangover because that's pretty much where it got started but also it's um you know they're taking on they're they're taking on a culture that's not theirs clearly obviously but that is still but again the the people with the 90s hangover that now have a little bit of extra income guess who's gonna buy those pants (laughs) like taking it back to the old school Mm, yeah yeah 
You know what I'm glad has not made a comeback? What? If you have ever had to deal with the pure torture of either the banana clip for your hair (laughs) or those fucking zigzag headbands that looked like they were not even big enough. Like the diameter was not even big enough to go around your wrist your wrist mm-hmm. but you put it around your fucking head and cut off your circulation <laughs> and scratch <laughs> your scalp so that it stays and you just walk around like with a little facelift all day at 16 what the fuck is that you know what P- people are still cutting that shit out of their hair <laughs> i missed that <laughs> oh my god that was a nightmare okay 90s hangover the hot pocket oh the hot, uh-huh. hot pocket delicious it's still- uh, they just added new flavors. There's like cordon bleu hot pocket. Do they have vegan hot pockets? <laughs> I don't even think that should go in the same sentence. Or maybe if you're vegan, do not eat a hot pocket. <laughs> well, it's probably not real meat anyway. But it's meat of some sort. Meat? You know, not mm. quite beef, not, not quite, quite meat. Mm, yeah, fair. It's meat. What about the tracksuit? Oh, that's making a comeback too. Mm, and you know what? Me a tracksuit. I loved it. Not gonna love lie. me an Adidas tracksuit. Yes, I'm here for all that day. all day, all day. Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll still rock it. What about uh, body piercings? <laughs> I finally got rid of my body piercing like several years ago. You know, when finally. I had to get rid of my belly button piercing when I was like eight months pregnant, <laughs> I was like, "This shit is a bunch of rip." itself out of my skin i think it's time to let it the fuck go i got rid of mine when i broke my ankle and i had to go into <laughs> surgery in derby mm-hmm. so same rel- relatively the same time yeah, but like, i had kept it that long basically your something happens to your body that your body's like you're fucking old i right. will eject this shit from your body because it has been too goddamn long titanium right. should not stay in your you body got, for this you got, long you got pregnant so that your body could eject it and i got a broken ankle yeah. so that my body could eject that's exactly it. what happened that's exactly what happened uh, combat boots are making the big comeback hmm yeah like the doc martens mm-hmm. well t- to be clear let's be clear here Doc Martens are not combat boots. They are faux combat boots. But I understand what you're saying with the fashion. Don't give me that look. I'm not shitting on Doc Martens, but also they're just militaresque. Cat, we don't need to go down that path. You know what? We don't. What else is part of our hangover? Um, do you? Yeah, the mom jeans. (sighs) The mom jeans. I didn't like them then. Yeah, and now I am a mom. (laughs) And still, like, no, not flattering. No. Mm-mm. Agreed. No. Um, did you ever have a G-Shock watch? I did not. Or a Swatch watch? No, I did not. I had neither. <gasps> I didn't have either one either, but I wanted both. And they were expensive and I didn't have either. And then at, some of my friends had a Swatch watch and then they had the cool little like rubber band bracelet oh, yeah. thing that went over it. So if you hit it it would just bounce back. And so now we've just, the hangover is we've upgraded to Apple watches and they have their own little shock protector. Or now there's just like, you just put bulletproof glass on that shit. You just just roll with it. You're like Wonder Woman. You can just like block bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. What about um, British Knights? Oh, BK. Did you ever have the BKs? I did not. I I had a pair of BKs. Wow. I was so excited about it. Mm-hmm. That, that, mm-hmm. that takes me way back. Right? Yeah. 
Oh, oh, the 90s cat. Okay, so speaking of fashion, though, and, and tennis shoes, that look of the 90s high top for Nikes is back. Did like, it it's leave? classic. Again. Well, I mean, Did for you leave? and I, it never left. <laughs> but uh, so how about this? It's being reintroduced mm-hmm. as fashion icon wear for mm-hmm. a new generation of people who were born in the... 20, early, they were born in the early wombs 2000s. of people born in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Those people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as long as we don't get the Reebok pump or whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> where you use your, yeah. the tongue of your shoe to, to that, pump up I mean, your shoe. That was pretty cool technology for the time, honestly. I guess. It's pretty cool. I don't know. I never had those. It, that one did not appeal to me. but I never had those either. I think I think the '90s were a hangover in terms of like hip hop influenced fashion, mm-hmm. where sneakers had were their own style. So like, I th- I'm not a fashion you know researcher iconista or anything, wow. but definitely sneakers played a role with '90s hip hop that sneakers hadn't previously played in terms of fashion. Mm-hmm. And so we got the Jordans. We got mm. the Air Nike Airs, Nike Airs. Yeah. We uh, like you mentioned the British Knights. Like all of these tennis shoes weren't just for athletics anymore. They were for a fashion statement that said something about who you were. You can't you can't think about Run DMC without thinking Adidas. Period. Right. Not just the tracksuit, but the tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. and that has maintained today. That that is definitely a psychological after effect of the '90s. Also, I I have a question about '90s and sports. Um, I don't even know. I have no idea why, but everybody was rocking Charlotte Hornets and Georgetown Hoyas, and I don't know why. Never knew anybody went to any of these places. <laughs> Didn't even know what the fuck sport they were playing, but I was rocking that shit. Like, it was important to me, and I don't know why. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I saw everybody in uh, Chicago Bulls wear because oh, yeah. Jordan. and the Bulls, yeah. I will tell you, so total 90s hangover. My my little sister lives in Chicago. We've talked about this, but um, several years ago, went to visit her, got to go to a Bulls game, Ooh. walked up to the stadium, and there's like the iconic Jordan midair midair statue. Mm-hmm. I had to pause for a minute and like get my wits back about me. And my sister knew it was going to happen. She's watched. She's like, I knew this was going to happen to you because you are so predictable like that. But it was like a thing mm-hmm. like, oh, that's the hangover. It took me right back to the shoes, to the jackets, to the tracksuit. Oh, my God. I was feeling it. It's got to be the shoes. Loved it. Gotta be the shoe. Spike Lee and his, yeah. like really, the way that Spike Lee really made some movies in the 90s mm-hmm. has left a lasting impact, not just on black cinema, Agreed. but cinema. Agreed. He made some shit there that was awesome. Oh, 90s movies, we could go on a whole, oh. Boys in the Hood, New Jack City, like mm-hmm. there is a whole black cinema, you're right, that's a whole other conversation for another day, Kat. mm Definitely for another day. But that's where we're at in our 90s hangover. We've mentioned it at least in our taglines before or, uh, you know, as part of what the show is um, and how it was created. And so now we know a little bit more about the 90s hangover and hoping that 
if you weren't, if you weren't raised in that nineties hangover or have that nineties hangover, at least, uh, for our younger generations, you know, a little bit more about the nineties hangover and why you're wearing the things you're wearing and why your parents are listening to what they're listening to. You're welcome. And you're also welcome for another episodio of the Bocha podcast at that intersection of Brown Pride assimilation along with the 90s hangover. That's us. And now we're going to shift a little bit because it is Halloween. It's not just your birthday month. It's not just Bantober. It's all things spooky Halloween. I love it. Except for scary movies. I don't know who you are. I know. Anymore. Um... Of which we are watching Squid Game, and that's very interesting. People are talking about Squid Game. We'll, we'll have to talk about that. We you will. told me it wasn't my thing, so I'm not watching it. I don't... So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be your thing necessarily, but yeah. I'll I'll go through all eight episodes and then be like, okay, maybe it is your thing. When you so. tell me something's not my thing, I trust you. Okay, fair. And when you tell me something is my thing, I trust you. That's why I'm now addicted to TikTok. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and also Snoop Dogg wine. Yes. Yes, I their know. new rosé. That is also another episode because that... Oh, I, I just posted our picture of that and mm-hmm. it was delicious. It was so tasty. Yeah. What else is tasty is stories for <laughs> Halloween. And we have one for you. We do. Okay, can you give us the backstory about this story though? I will. So I, I'm feeling a little nervous and insecure about this whole uh, episode. I've been holding on to it for a while. Um, I, in my dream life... I'm a writer and I wrote this story quite a long time ago based on a story that my grandfather told me, um, a true story about when he was a kid. And so I've sort of, uh, I don't know, added my own flair to said story. And now we have a little short story called Neto's Ghost. All right. So it is our Gather Nuevo because it's going to be new to your ears and this short story, although I'd heard it once before, but the story itself as written is new to my eyes uh, as of today. So we're going to be reading that and going back and forth. And um, I'm really excited about doing this because I know you said like, I'm kind of a writer, but you are a writer. Oh, you are. You. And not just because I've gone through the writing workshop with you, but I, you know, I do like your writing. Um, and I think that our listeners will enjoy this ghost story. So if you, yeah, if you want to pull in the kids, if you want to do a little spooky, make some s'mores, campfire, and listen to the not-so-spooky, spooky story, uh, now's your chance. And with that, you'll kick us off with Neto's Ghost. Neto's Ghost. <clears throat> Neto loved the fall. He loved when the morning air was crisp and dusk began to sneak its way slowly into early evening. On a fresh morning, Neto had a greater chance of convincing Abuelo to let him have a small cup of coffee as they sat at the kitchen table looking out on the world. He was only ten, but people often remarked that he was an old soul. While he knew it was a compliment, he wasn't entirely sure what that meant. Neto was the youngest of six children. His eldest brother and sister were already out of the house, married with their own chamacos. Because Neto was the youngest, he got all the hand-me-down clothes. He got the last serving of caldo from Mama's big pot, and he had to do all the chores no one else wanted. He hated that. Because he was the baby of the family, no one ever trusted Neto to do anything important. He hated that most of all. One evening, as the sun began to set, the phone rang. Neto's abuelo answered. He sounded concerned. 
Mijo, he called out to Neto as he hastily hung up the phone. Mande, abuelo, said Neto, as he ran to see what abuelo needed. Your brother Placido needs some very important medicine, he said quickly, and he grabbed some fresh hierbas that had been sitting on the windowsill drying. Abuelo had a remedy for everything. Though he would never claim to be a curandero, he knew more about the healing earth than anyone Neto had ever met. Neto stood silent as Abuelo rolled the dried grasses into a towel and packed them inside a bag. He knew that at any moment Abuelo would rush out the creaky screen door on his way to Placidos. Neto watched intently. Abuelo, with a thoughtful look on his face and a small nod, added a jar of yellowish powder to the bag, then reached his hand out towards Neto. Neto stared without moving. Abuelo bowed his head slowly and furrowed his brow. Again, he pushed the medicine bag towards Neto. But Abuelo, I... I can't, stammered Neto. No puedo, he added to further emphasize his protest. Mijo, I am too old and slow. The years have taken their toll on this viejo's body. Placido's new baby needs this medicine. He has a fever and it needs to get there quickly. Your brothers and sisters are not yet home from picking. I need you. Placido needs you said Abuelo in a tone more serious than Neto had ever heard. He could not believe it. There was an important job to do, and he was the only one who could get it done. This was his chance. Quickly, Neto put on his boots and his favorite hat. The hat looked just like the fedora Abuelo wore. It was dark gray with a black band and had a small black feather with red spots on the side. He grabbed the bag with the special medicine inside tight with his left hand. He took a deep breath, slowly swung the creaking screen door open, and began walking towards his brother's house. He held his head high, pushed his shoulders back with pride, and tightened his grip on the bag. A second later, as he heard the door to his own house slam shut, he remembered why he did not like to walk to Placido's house alone. He would have to pass the cemetery along the way, the dark, whispering cemetery, where leaves were always swirling on the ground even when there was no wind. Neto looked towards the sky. The sun was setting. It would be dark soon. He began to walk faster. Neto watched as the leaves in front of him began to swirl. He could hear the dried edges scraping on the ground like the claws of some creature he would rather not be thinking about. He looked up and saw the black iron fence that surrounded the cemetery. He wondered if the fence was there to keep people in or out. Without another thought, his, mo- his feet moved even more swiftly across the pavement. He turned his head away from the cemetery, trying not to think about it anymore. After all, there was no time for being afraid. He had an important job to do. He straightened up and looked ahead, determined. But before he could take the next step, something caught his eye. Neto blinked once, twice, then shook his head as if it would reset his vision. He could not believe what he was seeing. A cold chill passed through his entire body. He closed his eyes tight, and when he opened his eyes again, it was still there right in front of him. A small, blurry, white ghost was hovering within arm's length. His legs were on fire. He began to walk faster. The ghost went faster, too. Neto was breathing hard. His heart pounded in his chest. He wanted to turn back and run home, but his family was counting on him to make the special delivery. 
He stopped walking and turned to cross the street. He would simply choose another path, one without a ghost. With one hand, he gripped the bag of medicine even tighter, and with the other, he held onto his hat. Neto began to run on his new path. The ghost stayed in front of him. No matter which way he turned, no matter how fast he ran, there it was. A feeling of terror sat deep inside his chest. Then Neto ran. He ran so hard his lungs burned and his poor feet throbbed inside his hand-me-down boots. Finally, when he didn't think he could run another inch, Neto turned the corner and saw his brother's house. With every bit of energy he had left, he bolted towards the blue front door. But the ghost was not finished with him. It hovered in front of Neto as he scrambled to his brother's door. Neto did not knock on the door when he arrived. He slammed into it with his entire body. His hands slapped at the wood and he screamed for his brother. When the door opened, Placido was surprised to see his little brother in such a panic. He was sweating even in the cool evening air. His face was red and his hand was wrapped so tightly around the paper bag he carried his knuckles were white. ¿Qué pasó, Neto? asked Placido with a concerned look on his face. The baby will be all right. You came so fast, he reassured his little brother. Neto tried to catch his breath. No, no, it was a ghost, he gasped. A what? asked Placido. Ghost! Una fantasma! Neto shrieked. It was following me. Well, sort of. I mean, it was in front of me. It stayed with me no matter which way I turned or how fast I ran. I knew this would happen. A grin began to slowly appear on his brother's face. Placido, this is no time for making fun of me, said Neto, becoming more upset. Neto, are you okay? He asked, still grinning. No, well, I mean, yes, I guess, he stammered and looked down at the floor. Neto, you don't like walking in front of the cemetery, do you? Especially at dusk, he asked softly. Neto looked straight into Placido's eyes. No, but that has nothing to... And as he spoke... Placido reached out and picked a small string off the front of Neto's favorite hat. Could this be your ghost, Neto? The one that stayed right in front of you? Neto stood silently in the doorway. He reached his hand up to hand his brother the medicine. Placido took it and walked towards the kitchen. From the doorway erupted a hysterical laughter from deep within Neto's belly. He was relieved, and despite feeling a little silly, he was proud that he had delivered the medicine to his nephew. Because of the fantasma, he had reached it in record time. Neto sat on the front step, smiling. Placido joined him after a few minutes and placed his arm around him. Little brother, te amo mucho. You are a brave, smart boy, and we are all so proud of you. Neto smiled and stood up, pulling his head on tight. Can I give you a ride so you don't have to walk past the cemetery again? asked Placido. No, said Neto. I'm not afraid of my ghost anymore. He smiled proudly and stared towards home. He couldn't wait to tell Abuelo about his adventure. And with that, Neto's Ghost by Charlene. (gasps) Yay. I'm my grandpa. It's out in the world. Thank you, Abuelo. Thank you for that story. And it's hilarious because the way he would tell this story was 
hysterical like he would get so into talking about it and talking about the moment that his brother plucked the <laughs> string from the front of his hat and how he felt so embarrassed but also like relieved that he wasn't gonna be haunted for eternity by this <laughs> cemetery ghost i can only imagine because i've you know i've had my uh meetings with the otherworldly before and it's that, that'll scare you enough to check your shorts. Yes. And this is just, you know, sometimes you scare yourself so badly. Mm-hmm. You just know that this terrifying thing is going to happen, that anything that corroborates that story is just adding to your terror. So, um, yeah, that's Neto's ghost. And somewhere in some folks' families, there's a, a cemetery story that folks have to share with one another. My father had one as well. Mm. Maybe one day I'll put it to paper. Next time. Next time, catch it next time but this this is an amazing story thank you for sharing it with um me with us with our podcast with our listeners all 10 of you (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) um this has been the pocha podcast at that intersection of cemeteries brown pride assimilation with the 90s hangover and maybe for this october we might have more ghosty things to share with you there's a plan we'll see if it comes to fruition we're seeing some ghosts in our future oh my god i know i am so excited about this possibility charlene not my jam i can't even tell you well it's not my jam but because i love you um i just want to say that you were the one who thought of this i know this weedy weedy so this is on you i'm just along for the ride and i'm excited for this ride Well, stay tuned, podcast listeners. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Now you can even listen to the podcast through our Facebook link. You can even ask the Gugu to play the Bocha podcast. We are all over the place. So, and we should be all over the place in your ears and tell your friends so they also Mm -hmm. listen and you can have something to talk about at the water cooler or in your next Zoom meeting. (laughs) Yes. You never know. You never know. And I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we'll catch you on the flip side.